0: we <laughs>
1: And welcome back to another edition of the Leadership Download. My name is Travis Van Dusen. I'm back here with my friend Cameron Singh. Today, we've got another special guest with us today, uh, Jeff Odom. Jeff Odom's a friend of mine that we've uh, known each other for a couple of years, and uh, he has a strong background in, in the career field, especially in the recruiting and, and uh, networking field. And we're going to talk about today a little bit about recruiting, a little bit about networking and positioning ourselves well um in the in the workplace today but uh, before we get started jeff do you want to just kind of give us a little bit of background uh, of kind of where you're coming from and uh w- kind of what you've done with your career
0: yeah thanks uh good to be with you guys i really appreciate the opportunity i have had an incredibly great fortune of uh, a diverse background uh you know from accounting to uh marketing i.t business transformation uh uh, human resources which and talent management which is really a lot about what we're going to be talking tonight and so throughout all of that in, in my role as a, a leader or sometimes as a sole contributor, I've been involved with people and people processes and I think that I I really believe that selection is one of the keys ultimately to successful organizations uh, and and uh, so I've been the past few years. I've done a lot of focus in my consulting work on that particular area. Uh, if I'm doing consulting for other reasons, I oftentimes still end up in discussions about uh, talent management, in particular, finding the right people.
1: Very good. So let's kind of just jump right into that. You know, obviously, it's a it's a topic that's probably been talked about more than anything in the in the recruiting field is is trying to figure out how do we know how do we know we have the right person you know before we uh, you know started recording we we were talking about how we we've hired people that we really thought would work out and turned out to be not so great choices and then we've we've hired people maybe out of desperation or not you know taking a little bit more of a risk and hoping that it worked out and then you know they did work out you know so when when you look at the recruiting process what are some of the things that you really look at that have to align uh, or kind of go together, come together when you're going through that recruiting process?
0: Yeah. Um, first off, I think I mainly want to say that I want to focus my attention on the hiring process uh, relative to a situation where there's no internal recruiters and there's no fee paid recruiters. It's kind of like it's all on us.
1: Okay. Right?
0: Perfect. Search, recruit, and then go through the selection, onboarding, and the whole whole deal. So, because I see that quite often, particularly in small to medium-sized businesses, and even when we have functions that uh, do recruiting, we might end up having to do that. Or as well, sometimes we might use fee-paid recruiters, sometimes not. So, I want to kind of characterize the the comments this today about uh, in that sort of way. And then also a little bit of a warning. I, I won't. I cannot deal with the. Uh, uh, or address things that have to do with legal, regulatory, or geographic. Although I've, I've worked with folks, you know, particularly in Europe and, and the U.S., uh, you know, that, that gets a little bit uh, out, of my, out of my ballpark. So, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, out of my ballpark. But uh, also, I think that it's really smart to, to remind ourselves uh, about this, that like so many things, one size does not fit all. And there's no single approach you you, you'll see out there many different people with their new approaches or the the way to do things, you know we're talking about again search recruit select and then onboard. Just that particular phase of of talent management so so there are no absolutes in this and then as well as time goes on there's different things that uh, over time i've seen and experienced you know, so many different approaches and tools. I mean, today when we're talking about recruiting, are we using artificial intelligence, machine learning to go through the resumes or whatever the situation might be? Uh, so, you know, even with that, there I think that there's some time-tested principles or, or values. And so I'd like to start by setting that and then get maybe to a bottom line of, of what is, you know, kind of success for us. So when I think about it, the goal of this this whole thing is we want to increase the likelihood of a quality hire and reduce the chance of a hiring error or less than quality hire. Right. That's how do we do that? That's that's really the thing that people struggle with all the time. And and with that, there's another point that there's so much variation in in people's interviewing skills. And, and as well. It's something that most people don't do all the time. Hiring managers, or even in some small organizations, even the HR people don't do it a lot. So when I don't do something a lot, I lack self-confidence. I might even be fearful. So then we could end up in a situation of, look, I will I will hire somebody because I just hate doing this, right? So yeah. get me in the mirror. Do we see fog? moving on. Right. And of course, I I, I joke about that. It's not really, hopefully, it's not really that bad. (laughs) Maybe I've seen that. But you know, you can understand that I lack self confidence in this. And one of the old stories that that I have told for a long time is uh, a, a, a person is doing an interview. And the interviewer talks the whole time, the interviewee leaves, and he goes, you know, I really love that person. They agree with everything I say. They didn't say a word. They know nothing about that person, but part of the nervousness or that's what they think an interview should be, they didn't learn about, about the person they were interviewing. And that that doesn't lead to success very, very, very quickly. One of the other tenets that I really believe is uh, I found in Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. And uh, that is the, the people, I'm going to read this, the people aren't your greatest asset, the right people are. And of course, I believe you guys have probably heard that before. But you know what? I like to layer on to that too. The right mix, meaning diversity of thought, diversity of background. So the right people, the right mix, the right place, the right time, doing the right things, achieving the right goals and outcomes. And why do I think about the right goals and outcomes has to do with, let's say, we have people in manufacturing. Uh, Their goals are to produce the most efficient, Highest yield product, and then we are going to hope the sales has some place to put it. Hmm. So see if we have if we don't have shared goals too. So it's the right goals. So so I, that's my little simple mind. I had to extend it because what he said in his book is exactly right. On changed the way I thought about a lot of things. But for me, it's the you know the right people are our greatest asset, the right mix, the right place, the right time, the right things, and then achieving the right outcomes together. Um, as well, interviewing based on behaviors, behaviors as an indicator of future performance. Uh, I, when I was first exposed and trained in, in interviewing uh, techniques, one of the things that was brought to the attention, our attention was that past performance is not necessarily a good predictor of future performance. Mm. A lot of times people will jump back. But if you think about it, it's not if you're hiring somebody into your organization, they don't have a network, they don't have a grapevine, they don't, you know, there's all of these things. But if we look to behaviors, we're going to, uh, again, increase the chance, hopefully, that we're going to have a a quality, a quality hire. Uh, The other thing is, uh, and this one, this one, we all kick back on is having a structured approach. And I said, I wasn't going to talk about legal stuff, but a structured approach also is more defensible, you know, where, where you're going through whatever your selected process is, make sure it's structured and stick to it. I have a favorite process, but, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about that uh, hopefully a little bit later, uh, if you, with some of the additional questions. Also, I think it's, I think it's fairly safe to say that referrals remain the best way to find people. Quality mm-hmm. hires, right? Because Travis, if you refer Cameron to me, guess what? You are hoping that Cameron's going to do a good job, or you may you may go have a talking to him. And Cameron, mm-hmm. you're going to want to do good because you don't want to let your buddy down. And of course, that doesn't always happen. But it's these types of personal dynamics that start taking place with referrals, and uh, referrals just work work and they're well worth the money that people put into referral programs uh, because when we start talking a little bit more about this the selection process i mean it's 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 not really speed dating but it's worse you're going to meet somebody and talk to them a few times few hours it might, might be over a virtual or a distance or they might be sitting in the room with you but you have just this little bit of time to understand. Are you guys going to connect? It, you, it could, late, I'm using guys for men and women, but are we going to connect? Are we going to are are we going to be able to work together? You have such such precious little time to sort that all out. It's it's really a daunting task in many ways, and, and also I think that when I when I look at The hiring process. The person that is before you or or persons, hopefully, in in the hiring, you know, generally their goal is to what? Get an offer. Get you out. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I, I and all the things I'll say tonight. The. um. The discipline when I'm a candidate to stay to a structure is much harder because I'm just, even though I know better, I, I want an offer, right, for whatever various reasons. So it's up to us when we're hiring people to try to stay disciplined to, to some sort of structure so that we can find the right person or or as close as possible to the right person, the highest quality hire that we we can, so that they can become a contributing part of our team. They can be loyal to the organization, and uh, they can flourish. Which then, for them, that w- will bring on self confidence for them. They'll be less sick over time. They'll be they'll flourish as a person, and that's all win win. And so that's what that's what we really want to try to get to. But to to get right down to the to the question. With all those points in place, the simplest response I can, I can give you up, up to this is that there are two reasons why, why selection processes and decisions fail. The first one is the failure of the organization to evaluate the fit of the selected person, but here's the big one. The second one is the failure of the selected person to evaluate the fit. Mm. We is hiring when we're hiring, it's not all on us. And in fact, when I when I talk to people when I'm in the hiring process, I tell them, look, I can make a mistake, and it's gonna hurt me. But this is your this is your job. This is the paramount that we get this right together. And I, I really believe in that. And sometimes sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. It's still, you know, we're still. In a situation where we have to we're playing the odds and trying to get the the best possible hit. so uh and, and with that also i, I want to do a little bit of a pitch for using uh assessments whether they be behavioral assessments dexterity assessments in in uh mechanical situations or or, or for mechanics But then what having said that I had throw another caution with this when I just said what's going to lead to the possible failure that determining and evaluating fit in the selection process, you have all kinds of assessments, but the least valid and the least reliable is the interview process because we have assessments that can speak to our personalities that are highly valid, highly reliable. That's the ones you want to use. But I I mentioned earlier that we don't interview often. We may not be self-confident. We're not necessarily very good good at interviewing. So the bottom line for for that is the fit, you know, uh, hiring to fit, and then the candidate to the hiring manager fit, the organization, and by that, you know, a lot of people are worried about cultural. And uh, today, with uh, uh, it's come up, well, if I only hire people, we'll perpetuate a culture. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about cultural things like, are we innovative or are we followers? Things like that. You know, what 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 are some of our corporate cultures? Where are we? A team fit and the fit of skills, experience, and and education. And for me, education that can be by degree, certificate, micro learning. You know how, how do you bring those skills to the table? Yeah, so, that. So it was mostly uh, uh, points of how to get there, but at the end of the day, I think what are we going to use as tools to find the fit?
1: Yeah, I think I think the the like you said that most important part there at the end is the is not not being willing to compromise from the centralized structure. Of the interview because um, I've seen this in my own, you know, my own life and my own industry. I've actually been on both sides of this, where you know a, a candidate comes in for a, a position, and let's let's just say you know the position is sixty percent travel, and that person comes in and it's like you know they check a lot of boxes. They may, they actually probably would be really good for the position. But then a conversation starts during the interview process that, you know, oh, I've got young children and I'm not really sure if I can do 60%. Um, and that could go either way. The employer may want them so bad that they're willing to say, oh, well, we'll figure that out. And then the things get super murky, right? Once the mm-hmm. hiring process is made and they're, they're, they're expecting you to work this out with them that they're not going to be traveling as, as often. And so therefore there's a conflict. And then the, the employer really was just trying to get it across the finish line. And now mm-hmm. is realizing that this person truly can't meet the requirements. So sticking to what you can know you can, cannot do, and sticking to as far as the employer, knowing what you need is ultimately gonna win the day. And I think that discipline is something we're quick to navigate away from if we're, if we're not careful, especially if we're in a desperate situation, needing a job or we need someone recruited for the job. Yeah. 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 That's so good. Cameron, you got anything, any thoughts?
2: Yeah. Oftentimes, um, you know, I'm sure we all hear this a lot. Um, This person does, doesn't have the experience for this job. And, um, you know, we're often encountering recruiting for these frontline positions where not sure if, you know, six months working at a country club or six months being a, a bagger at the local grocery store, Um, is enough to trust that person to be in that role or when you're looking at promotional roles uh, to see you know this person was just in his frontline role for two months and now looking for a promotion you know what's your take on that how do we evaluate um, a person's experience to you know the role that we may be recruiting for
0: yeah I think that it's important to have a good idea of what that role is and I, and I think you were expressing that you do and what its mission is and what's it going to take to to uh, move, move forward and contribute in that role. Right. And then what are the the behaviors you want to see in those individuals that will will be successful? And and because you brought out uh, particularly I was uh, not so much in my last comments, highlighting the uh, frontline people, because frontline does create it is a little different process because Mm-hmm. it's it's worthy to take a risk or at least my belief is on somebody who does not have direct experience but for sure has all the other characteristics that i believe are going to be able to move them them forward and particularly in tight markets you you have to do something eventually right yeah. and uh you know that that's a matter of, i don't know the keys to to unlocking that but but it for sure has to do with not thinking about their past experience it's it's very it's a very good picture of what what i was trying to say with people that have lots of experience right it's a beautiful picture that you know wow they don't have a lot of experience but i i think they really have this aptitude and 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 the behaviors but then you do also uh how do you develop them and give them greater greater opportunities should they end up being a, a star on site
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah.
0: That's great. I, I imagine that's a incredible challenge in in the industry you guys are working in.
2: It is. It is definitely.
1: Yeah, because yeah, you're dealing with people who have little, if sometimes no, work history at all to, to to feed from. So you're trying to decipher now. You know, is is the risk worth taking? And I think that's where going back to some some assessments of understanding does the personality fit the job. You know. Um, you know, if the person is a, you know, I I think about like the disc assessments because that's what I, you know, I, I tend to lean towards. But you know, if if a person is a, you know, a, a high D and, and and kind of lacks patience, and you know, they're going into a customer service position, well, that might be you may see some conflict where you know certain other personalities lean better towards you know customer service environment or. Mm-hmm. You know, but a high D personality may do well in like a self starter. Hey, this person's gonna be doing a lot of work by themselves, and they're kind of high D personalities tend to be able to kind of motivate and move themselves without you know a lot of help. So, yeah. um, those are there's a lot of tools out there that could be used, um, to kind of move that process along. And and I think one of the things that uh, Jeff, me and you had talked about before was. When it comes about those assessments, is that a lot of companies use these assessments? But I've seen this, and you mentioned this, that they use the assessment after the the offer letter's been signed and they've been working for a month, and then yeah. suddenly it's like, oh yeah, yeah, take this assessment for me, and it's it's like they're just using it as a check the box where we really should be using that assessment on the front end of the deal. Oh yeah, where we actually see data before yeah. we make a decision. You know.
0: It also helped to characterize the questions I might use in an interview. I love to, all, you know, five, ten of the people, have them take the assessment. And from the assessment, that doesn't mean that, that I'm going to rely solely on the assessment. But when I see something I have experience with the assessment, I'm then going to, going to ask questions around that. Too, and funny enough, you guys mentioned that because, but I have a soft heart for people uh, in in first line roles coming in because the first job interview I ever went on was for a bagger in a grocery store, and I was told they were looking for somebody with more experience. And I thought, what? <laughs> 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 So I have, a, you know, a place in my heart for people trying to crack through, right? I, I couldn't even get get a bagging job back then.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, um, sometimes it's, I know recently I've started doing this, is asking the individuals, uh, you know, what do they value? What do they do outside of work? Because it's often their reasoning behind why they're getting the job. It's It could be helping out with their parents' rent. Um, could be helping out with, you know, their grandma's medical bills or something. You know, showing what what they value the most and uh, shows their true character, and that's really what I've, I've been trying to go off of. Is that going the right direction, or what do you think on that?
0: Yeah, with the character, as long as that they're, they're um, not not too probing in in terms of personal life, but then also I I will say when when uh, it's a jump off, it's adding to what you say. I also think that no matter what the questioning is, when I'm sitting down with you, determine that you're probably not going to get an offer from me, I stopped the interviews because I have no right to ask you any more questions about your life at that point in time. Right. Yeah. And so I just stopped. And I I, I joked with Travis one time, even as a candidate, I did that during a telephone interview. The person said, "No, I, I, I think I'm, I have not determined we're done yet. I said, but I have because <laughs> there was no way I was working <laughs> in that situation, you know. So that that time I was disciplined to the process, <laughs> uncharacteristically as as a candidate.
1: Wow, that's good. So just kind of keeping on that same track, you know, as hiring managers and, that, you know, both me and Cameron, we have a responsibility of hiring and and trying to make those decisions. You know, what are some of the, I know you kind of walked us through that process, but what are some of the kind of direct tactics or tools that you have seen, or maybe some interview questions, kind of some kind of little, you know, some little nuggets there that you've seen that's helped you be able to get maybe truthful answers. Uh, And I'll kind of preface that really quick because, you know, I I found that some people are just exceptionally well at doing interviews and they've almost became a professional at going through a recruiting process to getting a job. And they know how to say the right things. They know how to check the right boxes. Um, how do we get past that to ensure that we're not being fooled and yeah, what we're getting? Yeah.
0: I got you. That, and that, of course, is a little bit difficult. And that's kind of like the, the the gold in all of this. So once we get past, we can't get referral, right? Because, again, that's the best. Sorry to harp on that, but that that's the best. Uh, a, the structured interview process so we could I don't want to take a lot of time so I'm going to go real quick through one that I've used successfully that that helps out right down to, to some example questions okay and and the first bit of the process is if in fact we are then uh, led to needing to, to post a job externally into into the formal system then I suggest putting that uh, together a a job that talks a lot about how great the organization is, talks about the organization, and only lightly will talk about the role itself. And by that, I mean, it talks about the mission of the role or what the overarching, and then what you must have as far as skills or experience and then what we would prefer that you have. Now, a lot of people kind of step back and say, you know, then then are you going to get the right people putting their names in the hat. Well, this is all part of the, how do I select the right person? Of course, some people are going to uh, self-assess themselves and would and not put anything in. So they're going to self-disqualify themselves. And that, that happens always. As well, when we get resumes, and that's why the, the process when you have to go through resumes, it's really hard to assess resumes themselves. Mm-hmm. So we're really talking about a- a- having a conversation with people. So one of the reasons I suggest that is because I don't want people to be able to direct their responses to me based on what they know I'm looking for. Now, of course, it's, that's hard to do. Today, people really, if they wanna sort it out, they, they can. And then, so the structured interview is gonna be several interviewers. I don't like having a tribunal uh some people do like that because and the reason why is i want you to come in and talk to well first off i should mention that my uh personal preference and I've, this i've done for people is the first interview is a telephone interview i'm not talking about video i've done lots of video uh for for a long time and in person why do i like the phone first because i don't see you i want to be it's you cannot equal everything out even on the phone but i want to i want to hear responses to the questions and not be thinking about how you were dressed or or how you walked in the room so i love that for a short 30 minute screening interview then when then when the first interview with with an organization that i'm with or with me we'll just say with me I want to sit the person down and I want them to be as comfortable as possible because I'm really, I'm going to state to them, look, the way this thing fails is if we don't understand each other and we don't fit, we have to solve a problem together. And I hope you're opening open to do that. And some people are, some people aren't, some people get it. And I want to have an open an honest environment. I want to be authentic about this because that's the only way that I ever have half a chance to get the truth hmm. is to make somebody as comfortable as possible. And it's not manipulative. It's about, we really do have a, have a shared decision to make. And if act, if we don't make a good one, it's going to come up someday. Right. <laughs> it's just Travis. It just depends on how quick. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I will ask permission to ask my questions first and then I'll give you a chance to ask every question you can come up with because we're making this mutual decision. You have have the right to that. And and the reason I wanna do that is twofold. One is I have several people I'm interviewing and I don't wanna get confused on who's who. I get confused easily, but more importantly, I don't yet want to talk about what we need. I wanna hear about what they need, their behaviors. And, and so from there, talking about specifically the questions, I want to ask open-ended, behavioral-based or situational questions. And I know there's some debate about whether behavioral questions work, yes or no, anymore. I, I, I still think they they uh, do. And let me, I, I had uh, a, a couple quick examples for, uh, for that. Um, two things here. I want to see about Past behaviors leading to predicted outcomes in the future. That's one bit. But also, when I ask questions about certain aspects, I don't want to ask directly because, uh, Travis, if I ask you, are you a good guy? What's your response?
1: Of course I'm a good guy. I'm the best.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, the best. Yeah. Cameron, yours is probably very similar, right? Yes. So so I don't know. You guys may have seen these types of questions before, but I'll ask, uh, think about the supervisor or manager you most admired. Now, think about that specific person for me. What were the five attributes you admired most about that person? Mm-hmm. And then my follow-up is, what are the two things you would ask them to change if you had a chance to ask them to change it? Now, what what's the purpose of this question? That It's on two levels. First off, people are going to admire things in others that, that they have them, themselves quite often. Mm-hmm. And as well, they're just describing to you a good manager and if you're the hiring manager how well do you align with those things they want to see and particularly with if and oftentimes it can be difficult to get somebody to talk about that uh, uh, changes they would have liked to see. but when you do if it's something that you do you will you know there's a problem coming up right yeah, yeah I just I wish they wouldn't wear button-down shirts you know okay <laughs> so that type of thing. So, so by I'm putting it on another person, and what they're doing is they're really describing a lot of themselves to me. You guys have any comments on that on that question? I have a couple more I was going to share with you.
1: No, I think I think that's good because it's 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 allowing them to self-disclose without being so direct. Into mm-hmm. you know, tell me mm-hmm. about yourself. You know, mm-hmm. that whole mm-hmm. that whole question is your your you're getting what they liked mm-hmm. and you're getting what they don't like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you can very quickly start putting the pieces together. If there's any major like red flags of something that mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. they liked that was that you're not going to be to meet that need mm-hmm. or something that they disliked. That's going to be something part of their everyday, their everyday yeah. work life. Yeah. yeah. Then you, you can very quickly decipher, you know, here's why I think this might probably won't work out for you. Right. So I love that.
0: And there and you. if I ask you directly, you, you know the canned response number nine can come out. Which by the way, along with these questions, and along with the difficulty when I don't do it a lot, it's what do I do with the answers? Mm. And you should be asking why, because you got to get you want to get past that surface first response, the canned one that I that I was thinking about for that question on the drive over or whatever it might be. how how, I need to go, I need to go some levels down to really get to to where the person lives at. Okay. Um, A situational question, and and I'm not a big one for hypotheticals, although they, they, they do work, but I love to say, to ask a question about, tell me about your favorite project. Give me the problem you were trying to address, the solution you were implementing, the challenges you encountered and describe your role in the project. Okay, so I'll probably let them describe that to me. Then I'll go back and ask them to describe some part of it in detail. Now, why do I want it in detail? If I can explain something to you in detail, I likely have done it or know how to do it. Right? If I can't explain in detail and I keep it up here and moving around. Now, that doesn't mean they're a bad person, but that maybe means that they're not the one that you want to do something that you're wanting the detail them to be able to execute with detail. And oh, one of my favorite ones for project managements, I ask them is do they like to have dinner parties and do they cook? Because the reality is putting together a dinner party and cooking on time is a project management, they may not have charts, and, and it may not, it may not be uh, using a sprint with, a, you know, a agile behavior now. But if you know how to get uh, dinner party on the table hot uh, odds are you you've got some inclination towards project management
2: yeah and now uh, with the situational questions you mentioned uh i've experienced <laughs> many times and i've done this before too is where you get asked a situational question or you ask it and uh you go into this long-winded story that has no sense of direction they just go in the story and it's great detail and they're not specific to the point to get at what you're trying to ask. And so now for those watching, what advice do you have for um, on how to respond to those different situational questions that you get?
0: How, how to respond to them if you're being interviewed? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, being concise and understanding that you're providing information. So I like to I like to keep it in, you know, problem, resolution, what was my role? problem resolution, what was my role and then outcomes is, is really great too if I can say, oh yeah by the way, it saved or it did this but you know that the old adage of problem resolution my role what what was it worth and keep it as concise as possible around that when when I'm being interviewed and I, and I like to steer people back to that a little bit too when I'm interviewing them. Again realizing that as much as I want them to be comfortable, they might be really nervous and just just talking a bit. yeah that's a great question, Cameron. Because because that's the case quite a lot, right? Yeah.
1: Let me ask you a question, Jeff. Uh, so when you're about, you're going through this interview process. You know, we we've mentioned a few times that you know some people are better uh, interviewers than others. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you decipher? Let's say you have a candidate who who you're you're sensing has the the tools for the job, but they're not wowing you in the interview. Have you ever had a situation where you're you almost have to help them along because you know that it's it's more of just a a conflict in their ability to uh sit in an interview room and get a barrage of questions asked to them when you know that they can go out and tangibly you know do the do the 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 physical hands on part of that job with no problem or you get where I'm, you get where I'm trying to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it really is uh, role dependent, job dependent for me, because some jobs that type of personality is is you know is going to be okay, uh, but if if I'm asking them to be you know the uh, the in communications for the organization, I might have some concerns, right? Mm-hmm. So so job dependent number one, and then try to I really try to work with and give everybody the best chance to show themselves the best, not get the job. But show their best, right? And so I want to understand if I can and I you know I'm not always great at this either, but I, I want to give uh, some more line of questioning around what I thought I heard to see you know where can I where can I open this up? Uh, and and um, you see that you can see that quite a bit in say for instance, I've done a lot of IT and a lot of you know uh, software developers where they they they're great software developers uh and when they're talking to the code they're singing but you know and and that's not being stereotypical you know I've run into that quite quite a bit right uh, and I have had other software developers that, that that didn't have a problem with that I had them in front of people you know mm-hmm. talking about the software that we develop but so it depends on the on the role depends on their background and um you know, I'm going to try to give them the best chance. And then it's dependent upon me and my experience in those questions. And I, I may, I wish I could say I hit it every time, but I did not. But it's up. It's up to us at that point. What a great question. And, and so that I do want to bring up one other type of question I will ask. I do not do I do not do the the hard, you got to be really smart questions because then I got to figure out if their answers are right. And I'm not smart enough for all of that, right? So <laughs> unless I have the answer key, I'm toast. <laughs> but, the, but I do have other types of questions to try to loosen people up that I intersperse or lead out with. And um, one question example there would be, if, it, and, and all these do have a purpose. So uh, uh, if we were to go out to your car right now what will we find in your trunk or if it's a CRV in the back? Mm. I still have a guy that I hired, I don't know, probably 12, 15 years ago. It reminds me, I ask him that question all the time. And so what, what am I looking for there? Again, it, it, depending upon the role, if I need somebody organized, I hope the trunk is pretty organized. But I, if, I, let's say I, uh, because I have done this before too, business continuity planner, I I hope that there's something that indicates that they're prepared to be in in the Chicago area, they're prepared to be in the snow stuck in traffic or something. So, so what's there, you may not get the first thing out of this, but it does create a memorable moment in the interview and hopefully loosens people up a little bit too. Right. So I always have a handful of questions like like that, that I like to intersperse in the interview. They have purpose and if they answer and if the answer is meaningful, but I did they're not you know cut questions by any means
1: it's hmm. interesting I guess I guess my one follow-up question would be you know uh, it's funny you mentioned kind of the tribunal interviews. Um, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that uh, I don't know if Cameron you went through the same experience because we came from the same sis- sister company or mother companies in our early years and uh, one of the things they love to do is is when you were getting promoted to you know a senior manager. Is you would be interviewed by at least a half a dozen people, mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 those so those interviews were like night and day. You, like you had people calling and preparing you. Oh, you're getting ready to go talk to this guy, and he's going to be you know really hard nosed, and he's just going to throw a ton of things at you. And I realize a lot of that comes from you know if you're going from entry level to suddenly you're 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 applying for a. Uh, you know a general manager job or a director job in a company the expectation is you already have a a very high level of uh, a, a purview of what's going on around you, so you should be able to have a little bit more of a question but the style of interviewing is there any ever is there ever a time where it would really be necessary to try to make the person uncomfortable during an interview?
0: Oh, sure. Dependent upon the role. So then, you know, have the group of people because I like multiple interviews, which is one on one each time. And then also I leapfrog. if, If the three of us were doing an interview with somebody when I got done and they went to talk to Travis, Cameron, I would tell you, I just couldn't get them to talk to me about this. And this is important for the job. Can you can you probe that a little bit more for us? okay, so that we can find out again, back to the question you mentioned, Travis, if somebody can't really uh, bring out something we need, maybe it was me that didn't do good. But for sure, I'm not I do not favor uh, necessarily the, the panel or tribunals for a lot of jobs but if it's a job that you're going to have to show and it's not known because it's not internal that that you can withstand some pressure or something like that then that's the place for it but just the fallback, well we you know we're going to knock this interview out in two hours because we're all going to sit together in a room and we don't have to do it you know in a linear fashion that that i don't that i don't favor because i've made the person too uncomfortable i want them comfortable to talk about themselves there it's just not comfortable enough for them to to reveal to you know five six people uh what's truly the true person so to speak yeah or at least that's that's, that's, that's you know that's kind of what I found
1: yeah that's good that's good so I guess we're, so moving on and kind of wanting to switch gears here for the second part here is you know we 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 all are always wondering as we pursue growth in our own careers and and everything, you know, what are what are you seeing from the the side of the person that maybe is seeking that promotion or seeking that job opportunity? And really, we kind of want to preface it with two questions. You know, what do we need to be doing, mm-hmm. and, and kind of what what should we stop doing when it comes to us being the candidate?
0: Yeah, when we're the candidate, I can I can think think of a, a number of things, but the first one for the best results for us is find your purpose and passion. Uh, Obviously, that's easy to say hard to do. Sometimes if you're out of a job, or you have a boss that's making you nuts, or any of the other reasons that you might be leaving, or you you, you need more money, there's there's all those things there. But you're going to find the most self satisfaction, and you're going to really flower, be self confident, when you you're around the zone of what, what your real passions and purposes are. Um, and and the more closely you can relate to that, it's it's gonna be better. And then to, to help you find that, uh, I I've often counseled people to go the US Department of Labor has uh ONET uh, and it's it's expressed in a website that has to do with employers and people seeking jobs. But on on ONET there is an interest profiler and it's built on the John Holland codes of, of uh, typology. And that is excellent to, to find out what your general interests are. And, and many universities use it too. Once you're of the six, it, it shows what your primaries are, then it will have the types of jobs that, you, that your interests show, okay? And I think that's a very powerful place to, to go to think about what's what's your interest, what's your purpose, as well as, you know, look, ask yourself, what do you find, find yourself doing from time to time, or most often, and then ask other people Mm. about you to find what so if you can you the closer you can get to that, the better. After that, network, 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 and network more. Because we mentioned referrals the best way and to find people is the best way uh you know i i know that people are very dependent upon what we we'll call formal process which today could be job boards or job postings on on a company sites or any of a number of things but getting to know people and being in front of people whether that is virtually digitally you know or in in, in person physical on-premise in person that's the way to go. And then also with that, you know, be active in trade associations. And when I say active, particularly if you think you want to be a leader, then sign up and volunteer to be a leader. And then don't just sit there. Be a leader, do stuff, right, and become known as a doer within these associations, or even a not for profit that that uh, you can go to that, that uh, has has some good mission that you can get behind. So getting in front of people, networking, who you know. Uh, I think I already s- probably said, you know, you you, um, you can't get water out of a pump until you've primed it. The old fashioned pumps that, you know, mm-hmm. you have to prime it first. So you can't go from zero to 60. I need a job tomorrow. Where do I go? I already need to know Cameron and Travis, you know, and and, and, and your health. And, and one last thing along those same lines, uh, particularly there there is a, a method that I was in outplacement one time. You know, I had I was invited to, to leave a job after we sold the company and we had outplacement. One of the things they talked about was techniques to reach out to thought leaders or um, business leaders in your community and just ask for a little bit of time if you can get just a small call to ask them, What is it they do? What are they seeing? And try to open up a relationship with them that way. Right. Uh, And and lastly, on that, too, there's uh, biz journals uh, around the country. If you get those and you see that somebody has been promoted, you drop them a line. I'm not talking about an email. I'm talking about if you write something down and put it in the post, somebody's going to remember it because we don't get those anymore. Mm hmm. If you're serious about creating creating that network, that's another another way. But we'll we'll stop that for now because that's the whole thing about how, how to network. And then lifelong learning. You know, I have to be a learner and I, thinking critically. But I have to be a learner to be able to go someplace and to, and to get a, a job. And in, uh, in in your current role in terms of uh, mobility within an organization, ask for more. Ask you to get on cross-functional teams. I, this, I'm sure you guys could have repeated this l- list immediately for me. And then, you know, I mentioned seeking the insights of leaders. Now, you asked me the question about um, what to stop doing. Mm-hmm. Stop rewriting, editing and obsessing over your resume. Mm. Because it's ineffective, number one, compared to other things you can do. But the second thing is it creates in you this illusion this sense of, man, you know, I'm working real hard. Today, I spent three hours redoing my resume instead of picking up the phone, trying to find somebody, going out to a networking event. I, You know, I sat there and retyped my resume or retyped two paragraphs in it or something. That's I mean, you need to have a reasonably quality resume, but then stop. That's not a good use of your time. Uh, because even when you throw that resume in, and now we have AI and machine learning, what is it going to get spit out the other end? Because you changed or or flip some words around, you know, I don't know. But if you go out and talk to Travis and Cameron, that's that's different, right? Um, yeah. Can uh, I add so, something right there? So, yeah, please do. Sorry, I, I'm I'm hardly taking a <laughs> breath, so you can talk. Forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just
1: I was just gonna say, you know, one of the things that I think is so cool about. The networking, you know, that networking of not don't worry about your resume so much is that I can say in my own personal life. And I can't, I'd ask you the same question, Cameron, For for the last really ever since I got into the industry that I'm in at entry level. I've never gotten promoted or moved companies or did anything where I actually like went online, applied for a job and gave a resume. It was more of a. There may have been a, a resume formality, yeah. But every every company that I've worked for was either through a referral, or through a connection of somebody I already knew mm-hmm. uh, that brought me in. And they, you know, and there wasn't this link, you know, apply online and we'll we'll see if we can will mm-hmm. you know, put you through some type of system. It I've never been had success that way. It's mm-hmm. always been through a direct connection. Cameron, do you have you had similar? Experience. Yes,
2: definitely similar. It's 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 also you know you, you build your network of people within the industry and and outside the industry, but then you maintain that you start mm-hmm. cultivating those relationships, and you never know what what may come your way. I mean, over the years, uh, several neat opportunities, and some of those have resulted in in promotions. Um, it's all about relationship building.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, and it's one of cool.
1: the things. One other thing I'll add too, you know, you're talking about the handwriting notes is one of the things one of my mentors uh, taught me a couple of years ago was um, doing handwritten birthday cards yep. to, to people that you, maybe you don't have the highest connection level with yet. But um, at one point I was actually doing, you know, uh, something that he has to, they had suggested was, uh, you know, $2 bills. I'd, I'd put $6 worth of $2 bills for a cup of coffee and a cu- and uh-huh. a card and I would send it to them. Uh-huh. And I did that because number one, they would remember the $2 bill because that's something unusual and it was handwritten and it would be delivered to their office or to their home. Yeah. And it was a, it was a stick out moment of remembrance. And I always got a reply. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never sent one and didn't get nothing back as a reply. Mm-hmm. And um, it built that level of connection and mm-hmm. sometimes actually st- got me an opportunity to actually speak with them at length at length after that. So yeah, it's so true. Very true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then if you meet them on the street or at a meeting somewhere and they go, Oh, you're that guy that sent me, you know, mm-hmm. and then you get to talk more almost, almost immediately. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I would say one other thing is stop waiting for FedEx and UPS to deliver your next opportunities to your front door. Cause it's not going to happen. You can't be passive. Mm you know, uh, to get a job is a job, yeah. but to have a career is a career to, to, to get, to cultivate it and keep it growing. Right. And I think that that's another thing that people uh, need to stop doing. And one more real quick, and then then I'll let you ask another question is, you know, stop thinking of your career as a destination it's a journey and it's worth exploring. It, too many people, it's, 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 not that way. Now, if that's satisfaction to them, that's one thing. But then I can't have you come around next next year when things are not satisfactory and complain about how you, how you can't find a job because or my career, you know, the dumpster fire or whatever it might be that people approach me to about their career stuff. You know, it's like, but but did you prime the pump? Did you, you know, what if what what have you been doing? Now that doesn't mean you don't take a break. I, I'm not uh, not saying that. And then one last thing. Did I mention stop updating your resume? <laughs> <Are> you <laughs> That's so true. About
1: that <laughs> that um. is so true. I, I've, I talk, I've talked to so many people who have gotten hung up on, all. Oh, I got to go home and spend three hours working on updating resumes and, and getting the right wording and spending sometimes thousands of dollars for a consultant to come in and rewrite the resume for them and and, and just for, mm-hmm. I mean, for minimal success um but you know what just one more point just just you made was that you know that networking process um even when you're in a good spot and you feel like you're 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 gonna be where you are for the rest of your life, that does not that that should never be a point of where you just sit back and stop building those relationships right because i mean I'd say ninety nine percent of the time that feeling doesn't last forever or that or you're going to want to grow again. And you don't want to start from zero every time you've got to make a career move. You know, that's just mm-hmm. you're never going to have success that way.
0: Well, oh, yeah, so. and I, could, I can promise you that that curiosity and the desire to continue reshaping what you think, how you think, and your network, because, you know, guys, you're in aviation, and I'm, I'm getting close to the taxiway on my career. <laughs> you know, i <I'm laughs> <right here. laughs> so. You know, we're about taxiing to the gate, but I still get energy <laughs> off of that. And I love it so much, right? That I have to learn, I have to rethink and I have to meet and network and and it's just been uh so fulfilling. Now it wasn't originally that way. It was something that 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 very quickly, but I uh, but I knew how how wonderfully fulfilling that is and, and it and it is, you'll stay with it.
2: Yeah. Well we when we talk about opportunity and promotion, um Yeah, there's oftentimes there's people out there that they don't know what they want to do. They don't know where they want to do, their ultimate position, their ultimate profession. They're just riding the wave or enjoying the journey. Uh, You know, how do you, I mean, for everyone watching, um, how do people find out what they want to, you know, pursue or have that ultimate position? Or when we talk about your calling, um, you know, what's your take on that?
0: Yeah, I mean find out what your interests are, ask people. And I don't know what the statistics are today because they they're changing because of the demographics, but it used to be you you were likely to change careers like maybe six times because you started out with, you know, what your what somebody in your family Studied or dead or Hmm. or you know your neighbor you 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 and the young their children played and then uh the the father was this and the mother was that and oh well you know and somehow you just fell into something and then you you found out that that didn't work for you and and you know it's self-exploration and as well uh you you really have to with intention i believe you have to with intention look at yourself figure figure it out and um, sometimes you can make make a living with it too. other times may, maybe you enjoy something else. I, I have no problem and people have worked for me over the years that you know what I asked them to do they did very well and 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 they were contributors, creative but their real thing was after the day was over, they maybe ran a dance studio or who knows what that was their passion, right? And I, I was OK with that. But your your question about how to find your passion, that you you asking people self-reflection. I love the interest profiler because if I can't start somewhere, at least what am I interested in? It doesn't give you the exact answer, particularly with purpose, but uh, it gives you a starting point.
1: Yeah, I actually I love that when I people talk to me about finding passion, finding that career, I said, what what is what is the one thing or the 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 group of things that you would that you would still do or would still want to do, even if you didn't get paid for it. you know, That's kind of where you start to line up a passion is, is you're going to do this regardless of financial benefit or not. It's just kind of, you're, you're made for it. And, uh, you know, people who find that, especially find it early in life, uh, man, that's a, that's a blessing in itself.
0: Yeah. And many people do, but the statistics are against us finding it early on.
1: Yeah, so I want to I want to ask you a question uh, that we didn't put in the notes, but it kind of popped in my mind. You know, um, I was reading. I think I think it was Peter Drucker who said this. He said, i I'm, It may not have been him, but uh, he said that. You know, the average person should not change careers, change uh, industries more than two times in their career uh, if they want to have you know a high level of Opportunity to be promoted. Um, Would you agree with that statement?
0: A, A classic. It depends, right? But in general, you're you're going to be building your career network within an industry. And more people I've seen that have stayed within an industry. Let's take for you know the. Uh, or, or ancillary to an industry. I would, used to be in the food industry. Okay, well, there's also then people that do packaging on the side of it. They spent a career in packaging and and jumped jumped around. You will be most known when you get to spend time in something. That I mean, time is against us when we jump around. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you just don't get as well known. And and so I I mean I tend to agree two three times that that if your goal is to Rise up within an industry, and uh, find yourself, you know, in, in a high level position within an organization of a specific industry. Because then you're going to have industry background knowledge, people knowledge, that's you know really hard to hard to build.
1: So yeah. so, so I got a, I got another tough question. <laughs> so you know, okay, so we say you know. Not switching career tracks, not switching industries, is probably to the wise. Now, I mean, I would agree with that because I I talk, you know, especially to a lot of my frontline employees, who yeah. have jumped from frontline job to frontline job to frontline job, and they wonder why they can't get that promotion. It's because you you've never spent enough time in one lane to yeah. gain any expertise. So so yeah. so is it? So when we talk about expertise. Is it better to be wide in knowledge or to be focused very much on a specialized track within an industry? Which one is going to be more of a career maker for people?
0: I think when you are in and around what you love, then it's going to be a track. But um, take, for instance, (laughs) I'm a terrible person to ask that question to because I've been involved with several markets right but even with having said that within an industry if you're in software or something like that or or it then you're really in i the it industry and of course all companies are it now right? and so you know uh if if you're saying okay if you're in the car industry you need to stay in the car industry well it depends if which part if you're a car engineer that's pretty smart you know to stick in there for a while but if you're in software or in IT deployment or change management, then you know it's you. You don't have as big a risk because what you're really bringing to the table is not as industry dependent. I, I hope that made sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. it does.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we kind of, okay, Cameron, do you have anything you want to add?
0: No, no,
2: you can continue.
1: <laughs> so, got kind of these two questions to kind of wrap this up. This has been really good. Uh, thank you again, Jeff, for uh, spending some time with us. But um, um, You know, the last two questions is very simple. You know, what's the biggest mistake you have seen? And we've probably may have already answered this, but what's that biggest mistake you see consistently with people who are pursuing a, a, a job or a position?
0: Yeah, um... Did I mention don't edit your resume? (laughs) (laughs) Spend too much time on that. But then the other one is the dependency on the formal market, because we were talking before how we, you know, literally how we all got jobs through knowing somebody or referral. And I don't know if the statistics hold, but for a long time, it was like 20% of jobs were found through the formal system, meaning job postings or recruiters, 80%. Hmm. were from uh networking as far as uh people moving around and um the biggest mistake i think i see people make is maybe setting expectations about um how long it will take that are that are not accurate if you have not been networking but just not realizing how much effort it needs to be put into it and and i will say also with that it, it you know we're not all salespeople, but when we have to enter the market to go get a job, particularly again if it's through job postings, you gotta go sell yourself. And a lot of people are don't feel comfortable doing that and don't feel good about doing that. And and so that makes it difficult for them too. And the biggest mistakes I see them make is to forget that you've you've got to get in there and work hard to to find that next job. Generally, right? There are some people that just, st- uh, you know, show up and, and, it, and it's a done deal. But, you know, generally to, to find that job and succeed and feel good about yourself long term.
1: Yeah, but even those people who can walk in and get a job quickly now, they had some front end work at some point in their career to get yeah, to that. Yeah. 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 So yeah. so just because you, you see somebody now has that easy success, they – probably paid the price once upon a time to to be able to have that ability to be highly recruitable.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so and the attitude of if I see something I, I think I want and sh- and it's okay to have, I need to figure out how to how to get it, not yeah. just hope somebody shows up and drops it up on my doorstep, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've I read uh, in a book people do that. So I don't know
1: no, it's a no, it's it. I think we we live that way with a lot of different things. And then the final question, you know, going back to the recruiting side, what would you say is the biggest mistake you see recruiters and hiring managers make?
0: Yeah, I think that's it's a, it's a mirror situation. I think that hiring managers, again, professional recruiters, whether they're internal or for fee, they they're busy every day. But w- when I am kind of a you know, part-time recruiter f- to fill my own needs, forgetting that I have to work a lot in advance and I have to be visible, I have to be in associations. It's who do I meet that I then would want to, re- want to recruit. And, and you know I can say, I have done that. I've been in uh, parts of, of organizations, volunteer organizations, found somebody, recruited them, and you know, uh, either they came and moved or they worked at a distance. But it was because I got to know them and I got to trust them. I got to see them in action. And that that worked out good. And also um, not being not being sufficiently realistic or maybe sufficiently self-aware about the true nature of the organization or culture that they live in. Okay, And I think that sometimes that's a huge mistake because even then when somebody goes out and hires what they perceive would be the perfect candidate, perfect fit, and then the poor candidate gets there and and the organization is not what I thought it was. So I have to be very self-aware as a hiring manager, too. And lastly, um, not giving enough room and listening to candidates when they're there and asking why really listening to them. Reflectively, you know, communicating back what I think I just heard you say, and all of those techniques, because I'm looking to hire you. And then uh, last about that is never forget that at some point in time, you need to market yourself and the job because there you want them to, to positively respond to an offer. And if you have not presented them with something that's worth accepting, then you know that you can't do that at the last mile too. When you have asked them to take this assessment, you go, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're really good people." That that you can't do those two <laughs> things at the end. That's just it's not smart.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do have one more thing. Um, you know, in, t- in today's today's job market, um, uh, organizations are struggling to recruit and hire due to you know the employment benefits that are out there. Um, so a lot of people are staying home right now, and I know in all industries are having this, the same issues in terms of getting people back in the work, simply just back in the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, so what advice do you have for employers or people that are hiring and recruiting? How do we get people back in the workforce to start working?
0: Well, if I knew the actual answer to that question, I would be... <laughs> I would be out selling it on the morning TV shows, right? Because that is so different. And as well, there is there is, from my point of view, anyway. And I don't know if you'll you'll agree with this. There's another bit to that too. The people who now find it really nice to work from home and will do not want to go back to the office. And you have organizations who are saying, "No, we want you back." I think there's going to be a lot of fallout from that too. So similar that you don't have you people that are, that are not yet. Joining back into the workforce, particularly, you know, the, these first jobs, uh, and then you have people who are going to say, "Nah, I'm not interested." And then down the road, we're going to have a bunch of openings from people when they're say saying, um, "You got to come back to work." No, I I I I want to find a job where I can at least work at home part part time. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I had to dodge that because I don't have a clue how we're going to do that. <laughs> Because I don't know that I, you know, we always have a skills shortage, right? It's kind of like I don't know, uh, it, you know, when some people say there's a bull market all the time somewhere, you got to go find it. There's always a skills shortage in certain areas, but right now we just have this massive need for people to come back to work, and I, uh, I don't, I mean, I see a lot of people trying a lot of different things to attract them back, and mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't really know what what works in that case. That's that really is such a good question.
1: Yeah, and if you figure it out, Jeff, let's make sure it gets into a uh, it gets into a, a good book deal. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, well, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, you know spending some time with us. I, obviously, we could go on and on on this subject. It's such a, I think it's such an important piece. Whether you are the recruit on the recruiting side of it, or you are being, you know, you're pursuing a new career, just being able to have some clarity on. Uh, you know, what, uh, you know, what we should be doing. Um, you know, the one thing I really took away from this as I've been listening to you, Jeff, and it's kind of us re- all reflecting together is that, you know, the recruiting process should be a little bit more lengthier than probably we we want it to be at times, especially for hiring for a important position, so, you know, a key position. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think the tendency for especially for me is to want to rush it, move it along. And, and, and maybe, maybe it's because of a, a, you know, I'm being inconvenienced in another area or whatever it may be, but um, you know, that process, if it's done correctly as not a, you know, a one day interview, hire, hire, bring them on board same day. Yeah. Um if we're doing it the right way, if we're checking the right, if we're really doing our due diligence and there's probably a lot to be said with companies and, and me just being as guilty as the next of, uh, you know, just hiring people on the spot and not going through that process of really working things out and trying to see mm-hmm. if yeah. they are, if it's a fit. So that's definitely my biggest takeaway. Cameron, any final thoughts? No, Jeff, thank you for your time. I know it was, I learned a lot today.
0: It's great talking to you guys.
1: Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, for joining us on the uh, Leadership Download. And we uh, hope we added value to you. And we'll catch you guys in the next podcast. Take care.